From points across California, you're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. This is the Diz Unplugged Disneyland edition, episode 219 for the week of November 14, 2013. The Diz Unplugged Disneyland edition is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, helping you plan a perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. I'm your host Tom Bell and I'm joined by our Disneyland team, Nancy Johnson and Michael Bowling. And in this segment, Michael talks about artist Tyrus Wong and the art and animation of Bambi. Michael. Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, recently I attended a presentation at the Walt Disney Family Museum in San Francisco's Presidio called The Art and Animation of Bambi. And this presentation was in conjunction with the museum's current special exhibit, called Water to Paper, Paint to Sky, The Art of Tyrus Wong. Uh, the nice thing about the Walt Disney Family Museum is we get to meet a lot of people associated with the Disney Studios that we just normally wouldn't meet. Right. So this presentation was hosted by Andreas Deja. Okay. He's Ooh. best known as the supervising animator of some of the most memorable Disney villains, uh, like Gaston from Beauty and the Beast, Jafar and Aladdin, and Scar from The Lion King. Uh, he also animated Roger Rabbit from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, King Triton from The Little Mermaid, um, you know, Hercules, Lilo, Queen Nerissa from Enchanted, and currently he's the resident specialist for the animation of Mickey Mouse. Didn't we see him and, at D23? Destination yes. D? Okay. Yes. Okay, I recognize the name. I met the, him right after Aladdin, right after Aladdin at one of the old, old Disneyana conventions. Sure. Yeah, he he's really generous with his time and going out and meeting the fans. And Carol Kiefer Police was the co-host, and if you look her up, you will see she has an extensive resume as an art director for different studios. With Disney feature animation, she worked in visual development on a film called Sweating Bullets. Do you know what film that became? That, Hot that, Little Cold Feet? It became yeah. Home on the Range. Yeah, I actually like that movie a lot. You know, I do too. I think it sort of got a bum rap. It uh, did. She did visual development for the Snow Queen at Disney Features, and which of course now is coming out years later as Frozen. Um, Disney sent her to art direct Bambi 2, uh, which we will talk about a little later on. This was a financial, critical, and popular success for the, at the time, fledgling Disney Toon Studios. And she then joined Disney Toon CG Animated Tinkerbell DVD series as an art director. Um, now, Tyrus Wong is an artist who was born in China, and he celebrated his 103rd birthday on September 23rd, 2013. And he is still an active artist. So he's really a remarkable man. Um, he immigrated to the United States when he was nine years old, and he was separated from his father for several weeks at the Angel Island Immigration Station in San Francisco Bay. Now, his father had immigrated earlier and had sent Tyrus a scroll with sample questions the immigration officials might ask, and he also listed all the answers, and it, and it worked. And after three weeks, Tyrus was released to his father, and they located up to Sacramento, California. 
Now, Tyrus' father was an educated man. He had an appreciation in poetry and art. And he quickly found, like many immigrants, he could only find manual labor in Northern California. So he moved to Los Angeles to look for more suitable work and left Tyrus behind in Sacramento. Well, Tyrus, I guess, missed his father because he soon began playing hooky from school. So his father arranged for Tyrus to come to Pasadena. And it was at this time he recognized his son's artistic talents. So he discouraged Tyrus from playing sports in case he injured his hands and insisted on Tyrus practicing art and calligraphy every day. However, they didn't have money for inks and paints, so Tyrus would dip a paintbrush in water and use it to draw Chinese characters on old newspapers. And then the the newspapers would dry and Tyrus could reuse them. So this developed Tyrus's talent for Chinese brushwork. So whilst attending school, Tyrus worked as a houseboy in the evenings and weekends doing cleaning and ironing. And in 1928, an art teacher at his junior high recommended Tyrus for a summer art scholarship at the Otis Art Institute in Los Angeles. So Tyrus's father borrowed money for tuition so Tyrus could continue his studies at Otis. And Tyrus earned multiple scholarships whilst doing janitorial and cafeteria work for his meals. So when Tyrus graduated from Otis in 1935, he already had a solo exhibition, 14 group ex- exhibitions, and an annual honor award from the Foundation of Western Art under his belt. So during his time at Otis, Tyrus combined his oriental style of artwork of watercolors with calligraphic brushstrokes and he com- with Western style of painting and drawing to develop a completely new art style. So Tyrus's father passed away in 1936, and Tyrus, like many young artists, struggled to find work. In 1938, he took a job at the Walt Disney Studio as an in-betweener, making the in-between drawings, filling out uh, the characters' movements between the animator's key drawings. But Tyrus found this work tedious, and at the end of each day, he said that he thought his eyes would pop out. So when Tyrus heard that Disney's next feature-length film would be Bambi, he seized the opportunity to advance his career. Now, Bambi was in development for five to six years, and it was scheduled to be the studio's third film. But as you know, it was released as the fifth film. Walt Disney, the film he wanted to make, couldn't be rushed. Now, the film Bambi was based on a book by Felix Salton, which Tyrus had read and remarked that the story was very, very nice, the feeling you can almost smell the pine. So Tyrus spent several evenings after work creating sample sketches of lush mountains and forest settings. And Tyrus's artistic style was influenced by the Sung Dynasty, which lasted from about 900 to 1300 AD. And this was the time when the Mongols took over China, so their art expressed desolation and the minuteness of man. So there are transitions of layers and levels by mists of obscurity that are used to express atmosphere. So rather than using extensive details that had been done in Snow White and Pinocchio, um, Tyrus did some simple wash studies to create the atmosphere and feeling of the forest. And this impressed the film's art director, Tom Codrick, who liked Tyrus's sensitive approach to Bambi. 
So Tyrus's atmosphere sketches gave a new direction to the art and styling of the film with a delicate and slightly mysterious feeling. And Andreas Dejas said that Bambi is one of the few films where one artist was able to put his style completely on the film. Sleeping Beauty with Evan Earle is the other film that an artist was able to, to put his stamp on the style of the film. You can totally tell that, too, because of the way everything looks very similar. It's all one solid. You know, you definitely know that's that movie. Exactly, because there's a continuity in the art that yeah. and, and the backgrounds that you don't see necessarily in other films, other Disney films. The um, only other thing I could p- compare to that would be like the Ellen Shaw, all the Ellen Shaw backgrounds and Mary Poppins and such. Right, right. Peter Allen Shaw's art is so yeah. All his mat work is so distinctive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um. Now, and in fact, I'm looking at one of his paintings in my study right now. Oh, which one? <laughs> it's it's one of um of uh it's it's one he did of Cinderella Castle. Ah. So, so um, Tyrus. Now Tyrus used lines to give a sense of life, motion, shape, and lyricism to the film. So the detail is in the foreground with less detail in the background. So so try to imagine now Bambi, for those of us who have seen it, which is probably everyone listening. So the detail's in the foreground and there's less detail in the background. And and there's great detail of nature. So Tyrus would use light over dark and then dark over light for atmospheric nature. And Walt Disney was saw this and was very enthusiastic about the ethereal feeling that Tyrus gave to the film and how it served as a backdrop for the characters. Despite this, though, Tyrus Wong and Walt Disney never met. You know, during Uh-oh. during the making of the whole film, I know because we always That's think really of the studio as you know being one big sort of happy family, but this was a time when they had moved into the new studio and they were spread out. More and when I did my interview with David Lesjack on on the Hyperion Studio, you know, when they moved to the Burbank Studio, they felt they lost that sense of intimacy. So this might be one of the reasons Tyrus and, and Walt Disney never met. Um, now, fawns that were rescued in the wild were brought to the studio for animators to study and sketch and barbecue. <laughs> That's terrible. Sorry, they made they made stew. Um, (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's too tough to barbecue (laughs) Um, the animators studied anatomy of deer and other animals for animating movement and learning how animals can move and their range of movements and and they uh, during the presentation they showed these detailed studies of of skeletal studies and then with the muscles and it it was amazing it it looked like something you would have done for veterinary science but that's how much the animators were trying to capture the the true movement of the deer now, due to Tyrus's influence, Bambi was more real and less cartoony than the previous Disney films. Um, Tyrus used thick and thin lines to define the form of Bambi. So animators began drawing real fawns, but they were intimidated by drawing realistic animals. So now think of the deer in Bambi and then think of the deer that were in Snow White just a few years earlier. 
uh, you know, the deer in Snow White are cute, but like Andreas Deja said, their bodies are more like sacks of flour, you know, than realistic deer. Yeah. And, you know, so, so animators working on Bambi were hand-picked, but they were not all able to adapt to the drawing style. So the more uh, cartoony guys were assigned to work on Dembo, which was in production at the same time. And the, and the animators that could adapt to this more realistic um, method of animation remained with Bambi. So animator Mark Davis, one of the nine old men, was able to take the realistic drawings of Bambi and he was able to make them animatable. He used a book of baby face photos to, uh, to use as models to animate Bambi's face with expressions. And then Milt Call uh, improved on these sketches. And there was one sketch of Milt, that Milt Call did that was displayed where he was able to draw these three-quarter poses of Bambi from the rear. And they were so, the angle was so intricate and well-drawn that Andreas Deja didn't believe that there was any animator today that was skilled enough to be able to draw that. And so when Walt saw animator Milk call sketches for Bambi, he was brought to tears because he knew the film he envisioned could be made. And Mark Davis, though, never, never animated Bambi. Uh, his first animated character, um, was Flower. And, and of course his, his fame later was, was as animator for, um, Tinkerbell. Um, Feline was a challenge because she had to look feminine and, you know, because she was very much similar to Bambi, but they had to make her look distinct. So Milt Call was able to give her feminine poses. Um, you know, um, Owl was drawn by Eric Larson, again, one of the original nine old men. Now, the spots were very challenging on Bambi because Remember, it was like 101 Dalmatians where by that time they had um, the Xerox machine that they used in order to duplicate the spots on all the puppies. <laughs> These all had to be hand-drawn. So on Bambi, they were challenging because they followed the shape and curvature of his body, oh, and and they changed at his, as his body moved. Okay. So... And so when you watch the film, though, this is how good the animators were. You'll see that there's no woggle at all in the spots. They animated them perfectly with Bambi's body. The other interesting thing is that I didn't really notice this until I went back and watched Bambi. There's no shadows cast in Bambi. It's all atmospheric ambient light of the forest rather than direction light. And this helped to keep the film costs down because they didn't have to animate shadows. Hmm. And today, um, everyone associates complexity with quality. But Bambi was not ashamed to be a simple film. So the question was posed in the Q&A, would Bambi be made today? And Andreas believes that studios now want story-driven films where every scene has action advancing the story. And you, I mean, think of um, oh, Rapunzel, what, what is it called? Tangled. I mean, the most popular film, you know, of late. And, and just think about every scene is nonstop action. So... You know, Andreas says that they would be afraid to make a simple film like Bambi today that's more story. Um, 
Now, in 1941, as a result of the strike at the Walt Disney Studio, Tyrus was laid off. And so he began exhibiting regularly at the Otis Art Institute at their exhibits that they would have at the Los Angeles County Library. Um, he was also commissioned to paint a dragon mural at Broadway Plaza in L.A.'s New Chinatown. And he became one of the first fine artists to design Christmas cards for Hallmark. Um, other projects included designing hand-painted silk scarves and designing pottery and dinnerware that was sold at Bullock's Wilshire, Neiman Marcus, and Marshall Field. Boy, those and so, those are names from the past, a couple of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in 1942, Tyrus began working at Warner Brothers Studio as a pre-production artist. Um, he created concept art for films, including Calamity Jane, Rebel Without a Cause, pa- um, Ice Palace, Harper, The Green Berets, and The Wild Bunch. And he also um, designed a lot of the architecture that was used in the set design um, uh, for a lot of films. Um, he retired from Warner Brothers in 1968. And so after retirement, Tyrus grew bored and restless, to the, so much so that one day his wife Ruth said, why don't you go fly a kite? And this inspired Tyrus to embark on the traditional and complex art of Chinese kite making. And he's been inducted into the um, World um, Work Kite Museum and the Hall of Fame for his kites, which include um, a hundred foot long centipede, a fluttering of butterflies and schools of delicately painted goldfish. And for folks that live in Southern California, he continues to fly his kites once a month on the beach near Santa Monica Pier in Southern really? California. Yeah. And people are encouraged to bring their kites and join him. So Fine. now, now when we were talking, Nancy, you said that you, you, you knew about Tyrus Wong. You knew some stories about him? Yeah. Um, several shows back, I brought up a uh, housekeeping regarding the Autry Museum and there's a great exhibit down in the bottom of the Autry Museum about a family called the C family and they it's it's a big learning exhibit about Chinese American families and the book um that was based on I guess they discovered the book and built the exhibit around the book um by an author named Lisa C and the book is called On Gold Mountain, and it's about her family's immigration um, to America and its incorporation um, into the Los Angeles Chinatown area. Um, her ancestors' um, position as art importers. Her family had a number of businesses from a Chinese restaurant to an art import um, and one of her um, uncles was good friends with Tyrus Wong in his younger days. And Ty- Tyrus would um, have gallery showings um, in the store, in the upper level of their store. So, yeah, the, he was one of the first um, Chinese-American artists that, Dis- actually did gallery displays in early Los Angeles, so kind of neat. That is neat. Yeah, I I actually bumped into him at the museum a few years ago. They were talking about 
I think it was about Bambi. I think it was having a, I don't know if it was having an anniversary or what. And he had been invited to the museum. And I was in the museum looking at the Bambi exhibit that they have there, the artwork. And he walks up and he just starts, um, talking about the art that's nice. there and oh, it was it was wonderful and he, he was a youthful 99 you know at <laughs> the time and but he was alert and sharp and uh, it was remarkable i mean but a very very charming man you know so and, and very well educated you could tell as well so um and i'm very proud of his his work and now Tyrus's artwork on Bambi continues to inspire Disney animators. Uh, when drawing the backgrounds for Finding Nemo, they ran into the same problem in that they couldn't they, they just didn't have the budget for these detailed backgrounds the way Walt Disney didn't have the budget for the detailed forest scenes in Bambi. So the Pixar animators studied his style for the ocean background scenes. And when you look at Finding Nemo, if you watch it again, you'll see there are similarities in in the line work and how they use the lighting, the light over dark and the washes that is used in Bambi. And animators using watercolors in the making of Lilo and Stitch also studied Tyrus's artistry since uh, much of his work, uh, his artwork for Bambi was originally done in watercolor. So, um, and I think Bambi is is one of my favorite films, uh, just for the artwork alone. Um, I I really enjoy it as well as the story. Now, then we come to to Bambi two. Now, did any have any of you seen? Why Bambi oh two? why did they make a Bambi two? Well, well, this was during the time. Remember, during Michael Eisner's time, they had yep. the plethora of direct to video sequels. Yep. yep. And yeah, I, I've seen it. <laughs> now, I've not. I've only... So, after I tell you what Andreas and Carol Police said, then I, wanted, I want you to tell us what you think of Bambi 2. Because I've watched some clips online that try to get a feel for it. And, um, and I, I do have my thoughts on it. <laughs> it's been here, um, so I'll try and dig yeah. hard. <laughs> so, but... But Carol Police said that she was finishing Home on the Range and was doing development on the Snow Queen, which was, which, as I said, is, as we know, is going to be released as Frozen, and was asked to do Bambi 2. She refused for a year to do it. She was worried about her legacy and that she would be ruined by doing a sequel to Bambi. I mean, because, you know, Bambi was just considered such a beautiful film she still had three months on her contract when the snow queen was shut down and she was assigned to bambi too and she had no say in it so she decided to convince executives that there was value in emulating the original film so she put together a presentation called bambi in a nutshell and what and what it did and she showed us a bit of it and what it was is it talked about some of the the fine points of Bambi, some of the artistry and the story and and the techniques and the value in in uh, mimicking these for the for Bambi too, because it was going to add to the price tag in order to do this and you know, like the original film, they frequently used single light accents, and the backgrounds were done in oil paints and and they got the go ahead to go ahead and and 
make Bambi 2 as closely as possible in the in the artistry of of the original Bambi, staying though of course within a much smaller budget. Now at the same time, Andreas was not assigned to a project, so he had some time on his hands. So he was showing the story reel, and he liked it. So for those of us who have not seen Bambi 2, the story begins right after Bambi's mother is... Okay, spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) Right after Bambi's mother is shot, and Bambi... (gasps) And Bambi goes off with his father. Because you remember in the film, we don't know what happened during that time. Because when the film continues, Bambi's an adolescent. And and he returns to the forest to meet up with his friends and become Twitterpated. It's amazing how fast those little buggers grow up. It? <laughs> it is. And um, now, now for... So, Bambi 2 tells us a story of what took place when Bambi spent time with his father, the great pit prince. So it was like Voice Bambi, one, Bambi one and a half? Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah. You know, there, there is a bit more comedy to it in the clips that I've seen. And it was voiced by the great prince of the forest was voiced by Patrick Stewart for, for you Star Trek fans. Um, for Bambi 2, um, Andreas drew Bambi and his father. Now, what was amazing, though, is that he had a chart up, you know, on in front of the audience. During the this part of the museum presentation, as he's talking, he drew a sketch of Bambi. It was remarkable to watch him just sketch this little guy, you know, practically life-size. Um, he said it was by far the most difficult character he's ever animated because if you're a little bit off, he looks like E.T. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he said Bambi is a very subtle character and you have to know where the subtleties are to draw him correctly. Now, for the great prince, they had to use a model for his antlers so they could see him from all angles. Because if you remember Bambi, the original Bambi, the great prince doesn't move his head. Um, and, and that's something even I noticed before this presentation. I noticed he was very stiff. And I thought perhaps it was because it, he was very regal. That's because it was so difficult to animate <laughs> the antlers. So they used a model for his antlers. And in Bambi 2, he, he is much more playful and animated, the great prince. Um, today, Andreas said they would use computer graphics. Um, yeah, I could see that. Now, now Bambi 2 premiered in Argentina in 2006, and, and I don't know why it, it was in Argentina. And then it was released as direct-to-home video in the United States, and it holds the world record for the longest span of time between two consecutive installments of a franchise, being released 64 years after the original. And they're very proud of Bambi 2. Um, both Andreas and Carol believe they were, it was a good story, uh, and, and they, it was very well done animation with backgrounds that were very true to the style of Tyrus Wong while staying within the budget that they were given. So, uh, so Nancy, you've seen the complete film, so what are your thoughts on Bambi 2? I remember it was an artistically 
you know, it wasn't like any of the other direct-to-video um, secondaries like Lady and the Tramp, about the one about Scamp. Um, it wasn't, it didn't have any of the um, cartoonish nature of um, 101 Dalmatians 2. Or 102, whatever the, whatever the, because it was sequel after sequel after sequel after. Right, right. Um, or any of the Little Mermaid stuff that popped up at that time. Um, I liked it. I mean, I like the animation. I don't remember a whole lot of the story, but I remember that it was visually, it was visually decent Mm -hmm. as far as all that went. Does that make sense? Yeah. Without sounding too. No, I agree with you, because the clips I saw, I could see where they were even repeating scenes in the sense like you might remember when the great herd in Bambi was on the move and how oh, yeah. they, they used almost shadows and color rather than defining the the deer as they ran. Uh, they, they did a similar scene. I saw a clip from that in Bambi, too, yeah. as sort of a homage to that scene so yeah I, I agree with you that that it definitely seemed more artistic than you know what you know as as my granddaughter now is seeing coming. right out of because my granddaughter now is watching some of these direct-to-video sequels and i've seen some of them and they're they're unimpressive for the most part but um i have to see if i have to see if i can get bambi too or maybe it's on the blu-ray of bambi and i don't even know it so, because you know how they're doing that now, they're putting the sequels onto the Blu-rays and all that. But oh, now, yeah, they've done that with a couple of them. Hmm. So, so now during the Q and A, Andreas was asked if the if future animation will be hand-drawn, um, digital, or blended. Um, he believes it will be blended, like the recent Pixar short Paper Man. And then he mentioned a film. And I wrote it down as Renzo, Cat in Buenos Aires. But when I Googled it, I couldn't find it. So I, I probably wrote the name down wrong. But, um, it, it was apparently hand drawn in Paris, but rather than cleaning it up, it was left as rough sketches. And then computer graphics was used to add in brush, brush strokes so that it appeared to be animated. So he thinks that's the future of animation. Now, through February 3rd, 2014, the Walt Disney Family Museum in San Francisco's historic Presidio is showing an an exhibit, as I mentioned earlier, Water to Paper, Paint to Sky, the Art of Tyrus Wong. Now, this retrospective features more than 150 works of Tyrus's, including um, his paintings, uh, sculptures. Uh, It does have a lot of his art from Bambi. Uh, it has works on paper. It does have painted scarves and potteries that he did for, you know, the department stores. It has his Hallmark card collection because apparently it was the cards that where you would have them engraved. So they do. They actually have one of the books that would have been in one of the Hallmark card shops, and um, or an, or actually it probably would have been in a department store. And they he, they even they have. Um, his kites, these kites are enormous. They take up the second floor of wow. this of this exhibit. They're beautiful with these intricate faces, uh, animal faces and things. Um, also, they he used to also make handmade toys for his daughters. He has three daughters, and those are on display. 
Um, there's also, like I said, his Chinese-inspired sketches and paintings that set the look and tone for Bambi. And these have to be some of the most beautiful art ever produced at the Walt Disney Studio. Uh, you know, I know that the, the, the a destination exhibit a few months back was the Snow White exhibit at the museum. But, you know, this really is worth a trip to the museum. This, his artwork is gorgeous. So anybody who's in San Francisco area, uh, definitely go to the Walt Disney Family Museum and see this exhibit. It's, it's worth it. The, the art is breathtaking. Um, there's also a hardbound coffee table art book, or if, you, if, or if you like a catalog, um, for the ex- ex- exhibition, it's available in the museum gift shop for $40. Members receive a discount, but it is also available on Amazon. So if you can't get, get to the museum, but you want, you want to see this stunning artwork and learn a little more about Tyrus Wong, uh, this book is definitely worth getting. I know that they hope to make this a traveling exhibit, so keep an eye out for it. Their goal is to actually display it in China, where you know where Tyrus emigrated from. Um, the special ticket price for the Tyrus Wong exhibit is ten dollars general admission. There's a special combination ticket, and that includes general museum admission. It's twenty five dollars for adult, twenty dollars for seniors and students, and seventeen dollars for children ages six to seventeen. And we'll have a link in our show notes um, to the museum site on the Tyrus Wong exhibit so you can get more information. And so that that is it. Just a really stunning exhibit and um, a fun presentation on one of my favorite films, Bambi. Excellent. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Nancy. That's going to do it for this segment of the Dis Unplugged. Be sure to catch a lot of our other Disneyland shows this week. And, of course, we'll be back again with you next week. Until then, remember, Disneyland is always more magical when it's shared. Thanks for listening.